Monday, May Day. This is a call to all you educators out there. It's time to shift our schools. We're gonna do this. I don't care what the technology gods say at this point. <laughs> we are going to podcast. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> All right, so let's get started. What do you think? I think right. so. I'm turning my volume off on the on the podcast. Yeah. I'm kind of watching. Is it okay if I watch it at Ustream? Yeah, just uh, okay. don't just don't, turn off the volume, and yeah. you'll be fine. You can just go ahead and l- watch the chat. Then that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, just turn yeah. your volume off. Great. Okay, oh, uh, let me get screens. the right. Let me get on the right screen, and we're good to go. Let's see. We're on. And clear down did here. you tell Twitter? Yep, I just told Twitter, and I'll tell Twitter some more. Uh, okay. What stalls the shift? Where are we at? How to connect technology seamlessly? That's not it. This when is not it. To when use not to use technology. There it is. When not to use technology. Okay, yes. episode ten, right? Yes. Yes. All right, so we're going to officially start. Okay. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. It's one of those nights when nothing's going to work right, but we're going to podcast anyway. This is Shifting Our Schools Podcast, Episode 10, and I'm Jeff Hudick from thethinkingstick.com. And joining me tonight is David Carpenter from LessonsLearned.edublogs.org. And from Hong Kong, we have David Nevis at dcnevis.edublogs.org. You know, I'm feeling a little out of it here that most of our guests are at Edublogs, and I'm not. Is Edublogs nice? Do you like working on Edublogs? Yeah, nice? yeah. I'm, I'm, I, jump in, Dave. I've had a, I've had a, found it very user friendly. Not too bad. Um, I, they give you a lot of different choices for your uh, background and stuff. So, um, and I found that they've got a lot of helpful videos that work with it too. So they they also have it set up so you can use it for your classroom. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, they're running the same thing we're running at our school, uh, so I just I'd like to get in and, and just see how they have it set up and everything else like that. But I just never have the time, and it's blocked here in China, which doesn't help. So anyway, all right. So tonight's uh, essential question is when not to use technology, and we found this out tonight. I was at a Learning 2.08 meeting. Was supposed to be home in 15 minutes. It's raining. Traffic is horrible. I jumped out of a taxi, jumped into a uh, jumped into the subway, and ended up riding the subway home. And then an hour later, I'm finally here. So it's just one of those nights. And what we already had to reschedule from last week because the internet connection in my apart- my whole apartment building was out for about a day. So we had to reschedule to this week. And then traffic's bad. I almost don't make it. You guys are luckily stick enough stick around for a half hour so we can get this done, which I appreciate. So. That's where we're at. So if I sound frazzled and I'm all like freaking out, it's because I have so much adrenaline running through my body trying to get up here in time that I probably am. So that's where we're at. So we're going to talk about when not to use technology tonight. And we've got David Nevis, who's a fifth grade teacher from Hong Kong International School joining us, who uses technology a lot in his classroom. And I think this will be good because between the three of us, we're really going to have to kind of push ourselves and when not to use technology. And I think it's good, you know, to reflect on, you know, it's not always... We don't always need to be using it. And when are those times when it's okay to say, no, this isn't the right time to be using technology and go a different way? So with that, David, 
Carpenter, who's joining yes. us in Taiwan as usual. Why don't you get us started and kind of maybe run us through some things that you're thinking about, and we'll jump into a good conversation. Excellent, excellent. The uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail. Dave put a nice uh, blog post together uh, where he outlined several of the uh, times and reasons when not to use technology. Um, I put up a post, and I'll talk more of it more about just how difficult it is to be an instructional or educational technology and, and working with teachers that are you're trying to help them move forward and try technology when it supports student learning because that's what it's all about. That's kind of our, or it is our, our guiding mantra in uh, educational technology is, boy, using this technology, it, it has to support and enhance learning to be worth the time and the effort. Um, but the most difficult time is when a teacher gets excited to use some uh, technology, whether it's software or hardware, and either uses it potentially incorrectly, let's say, in uh, showing PowerPoint points that are, are not well designed and a lot of times can teach kids the wrong lessons and how to use white space and colors and size of images and those uh, points that, that you can read a lot about on the web and using good design. Or the case where sometimes we use technology in a, in a decorative fashion, sometimes we use that term fluff, um, where we could spend a lot of time with our kids creating usually something artistic um, and maybe there's some some spatial understanding going on or, or learning a new, uh, like, paint or some tool like that. But for all the time that goes into that decoration for maybe like a Mother's Day card, the next week we co might come in and say, well, we have a real possibility here of using some uh, technology where we're going to collaborate with another school halfway around the world. And what sometimes happens is teachers can go, well, I used technology a couple weeks ago, Dave. Why, you know, I don't have time this week. And you can just, just, just kind of bite your lip and say, well, okay. And then hopefully the next time you can get in there and work with teachers to say, maybe is there another way to use this technology? And maybe this isn't the best way. Uh, we really want to use our time efficiently. So that's a tough, tough role to be an educational technology leader and work with teachers sometimes to say no or sometimes uh, to try to guide them in different directions, but it all goes uh, with the job. Um, speaking of the job, I'll add a little bit more for Dave's introduction. He is a, a trained instructional technologist, and he, when I worked at Hong Kong International School, it was it just made my job so much easier to have someone just down the hallway who was coming up with new, new ways to use technology. Uh, that then would be shared around the school. Um, very creative uh, fella and, and good friend. So, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Hey, well, thanks a lot, David. Um, it, it's really been kind of fun putting this together and thinking about it. You've given me a few weeks to think about it, and so I took it to different teachers around the building. I took it to different uh, students, and I asked them, and my students in the class go, What? When not to use technology, that's the wrong topic for you. <laughs> and so they said, well, okay. So then they said, okay, when you're swimming, you can't, you can't use it when you're swimming. And I said, mm -hmm. well, that's probably true when you're out there trying to do the extra physical exercise part of it. Um, and then I talked to the counselors, and they're saying, well, you know, people are really important and when you're talking with people. And after living eight years in the Philippines, I found out really what is important in life are people. And I think the biggest shift that we're beginning to see in Web 2.0 is that kids 
are beginning to communicate, and and they're communicating with other people um, in a different way. So we're in an evolution of technology, and, and it's changing our means of communication. Um, you know, when we went out, you think about it, when it first started communicating with people, we had the Pony Express in the United States, and then the telegraph came along, and then we had telephones, and now we have mobile cell phones, and um, and we have the fax machines, and then came the email. But um, the email wasn't good enough for the kids for today, and so then came the video and audio messaging and instant messaging that we find. And uh, and then as I was researching, I found today, you know, what's really incredible is kids use um, the um, email as a last resort. It's really incredible. Um, most of them are using the social networks like Facebook and MySpace for communicating with each other. And I know because I have a daughter who's graduating here in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, she's this, oh, I do it on Facebook, Dad. I don't do it anywhere else. So then when you come up with this, keeping in mind people and communicating um, and when not to use technology, it, that's a tough one. So I began to, to look into that. And um, I have, you have to realize that there are extremes that we really have to be very careful of. Um, the extremes in the technology come from uh, when we're saying it can be misused in our classrooms. Um, on one end, we have the beginner user. And then on the other side of the pendulum, we have the techie who, who knows it all and is doing everything and is really trying to push the teachers to do, um, do the technology part where technology is begin, being then abused. Um, and that's what we have to really look out for. I think our job as teachers is we really need to guide our students and help them to understand what learning is about. We're giving them these tools and, um, and if, if I can use a metaphor like building a house, um, if I have, I used to be a carpenter for a year and I had the hammer. And so I brought it into my kids one day and I said, here's a six penny nail. Let me see you nail this into the two by four. You know, and some of them it took 30 or 40 taps to get it in. So I showed them how I could do it in two. And they were just, you know, overly amazed that that could even happen. They thought I was really strong, which, Really, I'm not. Um, and and so then they began, when I began to show them, here's the hammer, here's the nail, here's how you use it. Here's how you hold it. Here's how you really hammer it in. Suddenly they were beginning to do it in four and five times instead of 30. And so it was a neat way to see how we were giving the kid, I was giving the kids the right tools for the right job and learning how to scaffold to do it the right way. Um, I think that a lot of, that goes on in our classrooms as well. We need to have the right tools for the right job. And the technology can be abused. Um, one of the ways that, that I think that we can abuse it is if we um, uh, have teachers and we say, okay, here's, here's your technology. And David, you alluded to this a little while ago. If we use it for the dog and pony show, um, just to impress parents in that kind of a way and the different things that are going on, then we're kind of left with um, a show-and-tell time. And the learning that happens there doesn't happen. You know, where the, sometimes people in the background, um, uh, technology people, as a punishment or as a technology, using it as a reward, 
um, those are two different ways of, I think, incorrect uses of technology. So, you guys hearing me okay? Yeah, we, we lost you for a few, few minutes, but you seem to be okay now. You're doing okay. good. Go for it. I'm listening. All right, you you were just talking about the dog and the dog and pony show. What ha- right. what are what happens after that? Well, with the dog and pony show, I think we have to be really careful that we're integrating technology the right way. I've worked with technology facilitators who have been really excited about the technology, and they walk into the classroom, they're helping the teacher, they're saying, let's do this, let's do that, let's use PowerPoint as an example. And what they end up doing is they have all the bells and whistles and the transitions, and you get the kids get lost in playing with the PowerPoint, Instead, they lose all the learning that's there. They lose all the, the, the technology they're trying to work. They're, they're working the technology instead of working the learning. Mm-hmm. If the meaningful integration of technology doesn't, doesn't occur, then I think we, we're losing our learning. And we really need to keep the, um, the teachers, we need to help train them in the right ways to do it. And if a technology facilitators in our school aren't helping us do that, I think that's the time we need to stop using technology. Um, we need to use it for learning, not for showing off the different things of what's happening. Um, one of the things that um, I think I'd also like to say is that it, we're the three of us work in international schools, and, and um, in around the world, I've worked in six schools now, the technology is out the wazoo. There's just so much technology in these schools, it's just incredible. But just because we have a lot of technology, it doesn't mean that we're shifted. It doesn't mean that the school is, is really moving the way it needs to. Amen, brother. Now, but in order to do that, I would rather say, look, just don't use the technology rather than use it, than use it ineffectively. If if we're dealing with traditional teachers who are not afraid, uh, who are afraid of using the technology, then I would just assume let them sit back and, and watch and let them learn from someone who's using it in, in their own time, in their own way, rather than force them to say, okay, now you have to use this technology for what we're beginning to do. Um, and if, um, if we really want to bring about the change that's, that needs to happen, then I think our schools have to begin to really change in our administrators to make, um, to make it where uh, going in a direction that's really going to be a positive change for us. Um, and um, there were, I came up with six different things as I was looking that I thought really could be very helpful um, in what we're trying to do. And I've posted them on my blog, so if you go to the blog, you, you should be able to read them there. We need to emphasize good teaching, not good technology. Um, where the focus is on good teaching practice and on the design and using the right technology for the right presentation. I think that's really important. And I think what we need to do, and I'm just going to throw this in there, What I, I, you know, you touched on the point that we need to be careful when we say using technology because you you you, you, you touched on this earlier when you were talking about you know when when a teacher puts together a PowerPoint for back to school night that is using technology per se but I don't think it's using technology the way we're trying to define it it's not using technology in a way that a is 
for learning and B is really affecting anything. Yeah. Teach, you know, parents love it. They walk in, there's a cool power PowerPoint playing of all the pictures taken for the first three months of the school year or whatever, two, two months of the school year. But I don't, I don't consider that using technology. Do you? What I think we want to be able to do is say in, in the, in the age that's coming, we need to really focus on the learning aspect of it. And so, yeah, I think if you want to give information, you want to show Johnny in classroom and, and what's going on in that kind of a way, it's an information-based thing. It might be a nice filler or something like that. Um, but to use it as, as if the tool becomes the lesson, I think then we've lost some of what we're trying to do, which is good teaching and good learning going on. But sometimes doesn't the tool need to be the lesson? I mean, how do we teach kids to navigate Google Earth, for example? I mean, at some point, that has to be a lesson, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Sure, there, there has to be training that goes on. But what you don't want to focus it on is, um, here, look at this button, look at this button, look at this one, but rather say, okay, let I like to let the kids play for a little while, and then after they've played, okay, now really bring them back and direct them into their learning. Here's the kind of things that we're looking for. What can we find? How can we find? How does this, uh, for instance, with this typhoon that has just come through um, in Burma, uh, the, the cyclone, okay, why was there such great flooding there? Well, we can go on to Google Earth and begin to draw some conclusions from that. Yeah. Yes. And that's a, that's a really neat and powerful way to say, well, why was there flooding that was so bad? Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point. You know, I think when we get back to how do you teach with technology? And I know this is going off, this is getting off the point because of course we're talking about teaching technology, not, not teaching with technology. But anyway, you know, it's that whole, you talk about letting the kids explore with the tool. And I, I try to, I try to do that and I try to model that. Like, you know, when I'm introducing audacity to fifth graders i just tell them to open audacity and for five minutes push any button you want play with anything you want and give them that time to explore you know you can do that with any tool and a lot of times if nothing else it gets that curiosity out of the students of what i wonder what this does because you've given them time to click on everything they wondered what it did do you know what i mean i think that's just good teaching practice yeah, I would agree with you very much on that, and and that's you're, you're we're thinking great minds think alike, and I think that's where we are, um, especially for the younger kids. You know, when you're first introducing it to them, they're first getting a hold of it, let them go, let them have fun, let them hear their own voice, because it's like, oh, it's very different out here in this world. So I would say first, make sure that we're emphasizing good teaching and not just good technology. Um, a second point I would think is that we need to focus our training on the application, not the construction. You know, teachers are going to become very frustrated, especially those who haven't shifted or are afraid to shift. Um, we, we need to be able to help the teacher to understand how a given program is going to help enhance their presentation. Not say, okay, now here's Dreamweaver, now here's how you build a web page, and here's how you, you know, we don't need to blow them away. We just, as a, as what I need as a teacher from the technology facilitator is to say to me, hey, you know what, I think this is going to work really good. Now, uh, this worked for me a couple weeks ago. I, um, I did my presentation beyond posters to my, uh, my colleagues because we had school shut down because of the flu. 
And um, and so we had professional development time to be able to do this. And sitting in the audience was our Mandarin teacher, one of our Mandarin teachers. And I said, take a look at this. I said, if you can walk away with one thing and say, hey, I think I can use that in a classroom, it would be great. And so she came to me afterwards and she said, you know what? This voice thread, I think I could use it. And so then I sat down with her and we spent a couple hours together and came up with a whole presentation for her, which was really cool. And then what was even more exciting for me was she had the kids doing it. And then she took it up to Shanghai a week later at a Mandarin teacher conference and shared it with everybody there. So, you know. Yeah, and so if you're you're helping them to focus on the training and how it helps them in their teaching, um, I think that that's really going to help in their presentation. That will help take away some of the fear that they might have. Yeah. Yes. Which which also leads to my third point, which is you know make a product development team a team effort. You know, help the teachers. The technology facilitators let them do what they do best the teacher can choose the appropriate technology for the presentation and then develop a plan um, that's based on the needs of the teachers and the students as a facilitator if you come in to me and you say to me what do you need you know it really helps me or in the case when I was working with David a lot of times I would go to him and say hey I just heard about this I'd like to try it how do I get a hold of it you know, and, and I was so thankful for David because he always seemed to find a way to help me do it. <laughs> That's good. Well, what do you think, David Carpenter? Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm in, in, in agreement on, on a lot of this. And I guess it's one of the things that when I first went to grad school in IT, every single person in my cohort was so skeptical. It was, it was like I was expecting to go in and be overwhelmed in the opposite direction. And ever since then, I've met so many people in our field that are also skeptical, um, that are just wary. They know that they have to be very choosy when they get their opening to work with teachers or when you have your budget to to really c- come close to hitting a home run every chance you get. Because if you go out and purchase hardware that you haven't tested, you haven't piloted, uh, and you come in and, and then you don't set up the uh, professional development to, to help teachers use it and it's not based on learning needs, you can really do yourself a lot of damage. Um, so I think skepticism goes, goes a long way in our field. Uh, I did want to jump in and share just an interesting uh, event that's happened the last couple of weeks here at Sinshu. Uh, and I'm going to tie it in, Jeff, to a post that, that you put up uh, in UTech Tips that um, we have several new students that have come in in the past year from the local schools, and we found that they've had real difficulty in following up and doing homework. And we were scratching our heads, and we're going, wow, it's right up there in Moodle. We're writing it every night. It's so easy to access. And so the more that we were learning about their experience, what you learned about when you interviewed some kids, when you were asking them, kids, would you rather be uh, memorizing a lot of home, a lot of work, and then taking a big test, or would you rather be having to collaborate and gather information and come to your own conclusions? And I think you smiled a little bit in your post, saying that a lot of kids said, "Well, gosh, sometimes it's just easy to memorize." Yeah. And that really clicked with me and these kids because I went to them. I said, "Why aren't you doing your homework?" And they go. 
Well, we just we're used to taking these big tests every few months and we just we just blow off our homework and within the week before we go in and we memorize everything. And so in a way we've been doing these new kids a disservice by making it so easy to see their homework online using Moodle. They all have laptops, 24-7 connectivity, that they had not learned the skill of writing down homework, of coming up with, because uh, um, they have the classes, it's every other day with the block scheduling, of coming up with a plan on doing their homework. Because as you know, most of these international schools are all about the process of learning. It's not so much the final proje- project which is opposite a lot of the local schools, which are the final uh, assessment. That's what it's all about. And so what we're doing now is we're giving these new kids agendas and we're making them write down their homework in the classes and we're making them come up with a study skill, a study plan on how they're going to do their homework. And we're saying, we don't want you to go and use Moodle anymore. We want you to really think about your homework. Ask your teacher. Did I get this down correctly? Is it a good idea for me to do this part tonight and the, the other part the next night? So that was kind of an interesting way where, in one case, technology wasn't helping or isn't helping some of our children, and we went back to paper and pencil so that they would develop the skills that we... And, and what are those? That's learning when you develop those skills. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting case where sometimes technology gets in the way of the learning. Well, and I think it comes down to options. I mean, was it not working for every kid, or that's right, exactly? Was it, it was just kids? some of the kids. It yeah. was some of the kids. Yeah. So, so you've got to give them those choices. You're, yeah, you know, I agree. You're, you're absolutely right. And on that, I was going to ask you. Um, we're talking about having a technology-free day. We're working on it for many reasons. And one thing, coming back to Dave's statement about. Uh, what is what are we all trying to do so much in our schools is build community, whether it's uh, electronic or hopefully even more face-to-face. And we have a lot of ESL students, and we're, we're pushing them to put their laptops down in between classes and uh, to, to speak to one another and, and use their English skills. Um, and so we're talking about having a technology-free day that goes into the night where the, where the whole family turns off all the technology and plays cards and has family uh, time together. But I was going to uh, ask you about, you for two years now, your school has made that decision to take off, wh- what, five days of technology-free days? What's, 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 can you tell us more about that? Sure. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's fun, actually. Uh, I've enjoyed it more. I enjoyed it more this year than I did last year, for sure. And it's not our whole school. It's just our elementary school because we have this amazing elementary uh, school counselor, Full disclosure, I'm married to her. And uh, so she does it. You know, it's actually a week a year set up. It used to be called Screen Free Week. And it's an organization that got started to help kids turn off TV. And it came, you know, based out of the States because they found so many kids are watching TV. Well, over the years, it has, you know, progressed into uh, Screen Free Week because TV is not where kids are going. And yeah. so what they and so what they did is and instead of just turning off the TV, let's turn off 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 the screens and i'll tell you it's difficult it really Mm -hmm. is hard you don't realize how much you depend on screens as just general to get things done i mean the one thing that my wife and i both do for the whole week we do allow ourselves a cell phone and it's interesting Mm -hmm. because it's a screen that we need to have for at this point 
in history, I think you almost need one for emergency purposes, especially even in, in living in an international city. You know, it's the way we communicate with our friends. It's the way we get things done. We still have to pay bills. We still need to find our way to the restaurant. And all of that is done through our cell phone. So we make that's the one thing that we allow ourselves to have. Other than that, we take the week off in the elementary school. And it's interesting. And we also we also um, are allowed to use technology at work for work purposes. So mm -hmm. I was on the computer during the workday, but I didn't use Twitter. I didn't check my personal email. I didn't, um, I didn't read my RSS reader. I basically just answered emails and did the things I needed to do, which was actually, it was amazing how much my productivity increased over the week because, you know, I got all of this stuff that I never had time to do. I finished it all when I took away all of the extra things that I do all the time, you know, all the little things that you're just fiddling with. And it was really interesting, and, and it's fun because Dania, this, my wife, um, she makes the kids sign a pledge, and so the kids pledge to spend the whole week off. And so many parents have come back and said thank you because yes. they've been able to reconnect with with their kids for that week. And it's been, mm -hmm. you know, and this year I think I'm more and more I'm getting connected. The more I'm connected, the more I look forward to not being connected, which is kind of an interesting parallel you know i look forward to going to on vacations where i know i won't have wi-fi or i know there's no way i can connect and to me that's different than than taking a whole week off or two days or three days or whatever you can do i really encourage everybody to do it because it really is an interesting experience when you try to give up screens and it's and it's funny because we get in the back of a taxi and there's a screen in the back of the taxi and there's these gigantic digital billboards on every street corner in Shanghai and it no matter where you look you're looking at screens it really is just a amazing experience but this year I read two books I listened to two books on uh, two audiobooks so you're allowed to look at your iPod to play a song or to or to um, you know play an audiobook and then you don't look at the screen anymore so there are little concessions like that it's not like you're completely 100% screen free because you just can't in today's society but it really mm -hmm. is a good experience, and I think everybody should go through it. it. It's, it I think reminds you of the things you can do. And like I wrote in my blog post afterwards, the one thing that I have learned is that the network waits for you. You know that we put all of this information on the internet, and there's nothing there that we can't go back and get later if we really want to. And the interesting thing is, is after the week is up, how much stuff did I miss during that week? And you know whatever miss means that I actually went back and looked at maybe a total of five blog posts, mm -hmm. it, which is interesting. You know, I have three, 400 blog posts, but there's only about five that I felt like I really had to go back and read. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when we start playing with that, that information stream and where do we and don't we need technology in our lives, and especially for kids. You know, I mean, oh, yes. you know, the elementary kids with my wife, being the school counselor, it's such a great thing, I think, for them because research shows they spend way too much time in front of television and screens anyway to take a week off. It's one week out of your life. You know, there's 52 weeks in, this, in a year. You've got 51 where you can just be screen happy. It's seven days. And it seems hard, and it is hard. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it really is a good time to reflect. And I, I've come out of it, energized the blog again. You know, because mm -hmm. I, I couldn't. So you get that energy to blog, and I think so. It's interesting to see that you're going to have your school do it. So are you guys are going to yes. are you going to shut down the email system and everything for teachers? 
Yes, for for it's going to be 24 hours, and and part of it is, and this is, I know you won't be at SAS next year, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with laptops as you all as they move forward next year. Because for us, as a laptop school, our first year, um, it's been a learning curve, and because um, we're a school based upon certain principles, and one of them is d- democracy. We try to make decisions as a community, and we are we have our five uh, student learning outcomes, and we try to base all our decisions on those outcomes and what we value. So what we're going to we're going to do through our student council now is have them begin the process of what do we value? How does how does technology support what we value? How does it not support what we value? Then it, they're going to uh, prepare presentations that will go out into our advisor system. And then we're going to discuss it, and then we're going to make a decision on whether we're going to do it or not. And my hope is we will, and that we'll get the, the kids to come up with ways that they can interact those evenings with their parents, yeah. whether it be card games or cooking dinner together or um, whatever it might be, but it's all student-generated. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And in reading your post and about your, your, your walks with your wonderful wife and, and things that bring us back to what we really value, yeah. I, I, think, I think that's just it, it's something that needs to be done. And, and I'll be interested next year to hear uh, what, what happens at SAS uh, when, when the kids have the laptops. And I know there's another school in the island here that's going to go laptop and they're they're coming up with kind of the normal, very rule-oriented way of handling a lot of the use, and we're going to try to come up from it from a learning point, a value point, and uh, we'll we'll see. Probably it's something in the middle that's going to work best. So I'll be interested to see what happens uh, as as they go at S- SAS. They go through that next year. And I would you know I would love for your kids to be able to reflect on that experience. Like I said, we do it at the elementary school. We don't do it at the middle school and high school. And I think that would be a lot tougher for those kids because, you know, it really is their way to communicate. You know, yes. they're on Facebook. They're using their cell phones. And if you could get high school kids to give it up for a day and then have a reflective experience, I think that would be really powerful. If nothing else, for them to help to understand just what technology means in our lives today. When yes. all of a sudden you have to give it up and how you feel you're cut off. I had a uh, really interesting talk with a librarian today in the middle school, and she said uh, what's happening with the technology there is it's causing parallel relationships with kids. Um, so I asked her, well, what exactly do you mean? Well, the kid next to the kid next door, will they'll sit and they'll chat with each other in, on the computer, but they won't talk to each other. And they ended up last week, because uh, I guess a couple weeks ago now, they decided to have a middle school dance. So they said, okay, let's have a dance. And the kids said, no, we don't want to dance because there's a fear of maybe being um, rejected by somebody or being left out. And instead of those kids going through those social norms and, and learning how to deal with it, they said, we'd rather just sit back on our computers and talk to each other that way. Uh, interesting. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Well, I'd yeah. be interested, Maureen, so insightful, the librarian, there and I'd be interested to see where she goes with that because she she's a very passionate person and I know uh, that conversation will hopefully keep going and in, in, in the school works on that because we're really talking like a 17th habit of mind here when it comes to uh, how technology can so much become ad- addictive we know with the gaming and all that but in other ways we have to be honest with ourselves it I know I'm an I'm connected for information like crazy, and I know you two are as well. And 
And we do have to step back and have discussions about what do we really value and how do we have balance in our lives. And and, and that's something I think we need to, to be talking to our students about and our parents as well. Yeah, exactly. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, parents as well. So I was having an interesting discussion this week with our administrator, and he had just come back from a conference, and uh, they were talking about in Africa, they're setting up schools, but in Africa they feel as though the um, they will skip over a generation of technology, and it will all come down to our cell phones and onto our, our mobiles and, and, and uh, PDAs and stuff. But what will continue to exist more so than anything right now will be the oral traditions hmm. that oh. will be carried on. Interesting. interesting. That is That'll interesting. Be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, huh. no, that's good stuff. All right, well, let's uh, let's start wrapping this show up here. We're about ready to get going. I know, David, are you still at school? Mm, I'm not. I'm at home. How about carpenter? This, yeah, this Dave is my... My internet connection in my uh, my my apartment is not so great. Yeah, why don't we do hit the blog post of the week? All right. Um, uh, do you, Jeff, uh, look, I see you've already got you just threw one in there. You want to start us? Yeah, I'll get you started. Uh, so my blog post of the week is talking about turning off the TV and disconnecting. Uh, there's the website. I threw it in the I threw it in the chat. It's tvturnoff.org, and it's still called TV Turnoff, but they've changed the name of the week to Screen Free Week, and they pick a week every year in April, usually the last week of April or whatever it is. Uh, it's a great website. It has a lot of things that you can download, um, ways to set it up in your school, you know, different things like David was talking about, trying to come up with ideas for kids of what they do if they do turn off the screen. It's just a really good website for teachers, uh, good resources, and a good place to get started. So. Ooh, excellent. I will add it to our advisor list to take a look at. Um, one of the themes that, well, the big theme that David's been hitting on is it's, and we, we talk about all the time, is it's, it's about learning. And uh, as educational technologists, we are working uh, with teachers to come up with instructional strategies and um, ways for students to authentically share their learning. And, we, and ICE frame learning is not the bottom of Bloom's taxonomy. It's definitely got to be up at the upper levels for me to really call it learning, where kids are are making connections and coming up with new ideas and and having those aha moments. Um, and whatever we do with technology, it's got to at least support it and hopefully enhance it. And one of the people that that we all follow that I think really reminds us reminds us of this that it's about student learning, is Jamie McKenzie. And he's been in the region a lot. I know he's been uh, in Shanghai there, Jeff, uh, giving some workshops, and he yeah. was just in Hong Kong. Dave was sharing. He was at a uh, workshop, ran, ran some workshops there. But if you have not been, and I know so many of our people who followed this podcast know of Jamie, but he's just so good at reminding us it's about the questions we ask and the ways that we help students frame their questions and then use information uh, literacy skills to pursue information and then to put all their learning together. And that's often where the, the, a big part of the technology comes into play, but it, it definitely should never get in the way of the learning. So his two sites, and his main one is www.fno.org. And a second part of his site is uh, a description of a project that he calls the 500-mile project. It's a lot like the expeditions that we do here at Sinshu uh, International School, but his are even he describes it as even more individual, where students 
do begin the, the research cycle by asking questions, getting a little bit of information, and then uh, framing the question or two they really want to pursue, and then spending a, a great deal of the year doing research outside of the regular classroom of something they want to learn about. Uh, and so I'll have uh, both, both of those links in our show notes. So, Dave, what do you have for us? Well, you know, I was at the Learning 2.0 conference last year, and I made a presentation, uh, three presentations there, and um, I'll be doing one again, this coming up one, but um, I listened to Alan November, and I thought he had a great sense of humor, but he really reached a lot of people and, and reconfirmed a lot of the ideas and stuff that I um, was going with. So you can find him at uh, http novemberlearning.com. And uh, I really enjoyed listening to Alan quite a bit. And he has, if you go in there, you'll find quite a number of different ones uh, that he has that you can link to different podcasts as well as um, uh, uh, RSS feeds and blogs and a lot, just a huge number of things. So I've really enjoyed listening to him. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, I think we're getting ready to wrap this week. up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just have two things to share as we're okay. on our way out the door because we are pretty much an international crowd. We are uh, in the process of getting of setting up the next Learning 2.08 conference. We had a great meeting tonight, which is part of the reason why we're late, and uh, getting things figured out and getting things going. So if you haven't signed up for the conference and you are in the international world, it's going to be a conference you don't want to miss. I guarantee it. This is the educational conference to go to in the Asia regions, uh, specifically around technology. We're bringing in some amazing people. And tonight, for the first time, I just threw the link in the show notes, and it didn't pop up all the way, but I'll make sure we put it uh, with the podcast, is that we are going to have an EduBloggerCon the day before the conference starts. So if you're an educational blogger and you want to come and meet other educational bloggers, we're going to hang out from starting at 9 o'clock on Thursday the conference actually kicks off at 4.30 in the afternoon on Thursday. So the morning before the conference kicks off, we're going to have just a meetup of educational bloggers. Bring your laptop. We're going to talk about Web 2.0, talk about blogging, talk about tools. I mean, these are the geeks of the geeks are going to mm-hmm. show up, and we're going to we're going hey, to. Hey, hey, I'm not there, a so. geek. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come but, anyway. But, you have a blog. But, you can come. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. We just got it set up tonight. I threw the link there. You can sign up. Uh, we don't know where we're going to hold it yet. We're going to see how many people sign up, and then we'll choose a place to hold it uh, based on how many people we have. But we're looking for a place that's very Chinese, quiet, uh, out of the way, but still close enough to the conference that we can get there in time. And we've got a couple ideas in mind. But go ahead and sign up. Join us. It's going to be a blast, and we'll get a bunch of educational bloggers from around and uh, go at it. So, All right, let's talk about next week. Yeah, let's do it. We have an uh, exciting trio of educators joining us from the International School in Bangkok, Dennis Harder, Justin Medved, and Kim Cofino. And they're, they're people that so many of us follow uh, in the blogosphere, and they're going to come in and help us pretty much with the opposite question we're talking about today is how do we connect technology and classroom instruction seamlessly so it's back to that integration and how do you do it that technology is just in the background and what out what's out in front is the learning excellent so that'll be good that'll be next week because we didn't we're trying to do this every other week but we haven't been very good at it the technology gods don't like us 
But uh, yeah. so that'll be next week. Look for us on May fifteenth. We'll be right back here at seven o'clock. And until then, thank you, David, for another great night. Thank you guys for sticking around and waiting for me to fight the weather to get home. I appreciate it. And, and until next week, keep shifting those schools. All right, guys, we're done. Thank All you. Right. Dinner, you dinner time. Yeah, dinner time. Time to go eat. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, thank you. Okay. All right. We'll see you. Okay, you're with me still, right? Yeah, we're with you. Good. Okay, great. And oh, <laughs> we shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Am I gone again? Yeah. It seems like when your voice, like, I don't know, like when you change, maybe sit back a little bit from the mic. I don't know. <laughs>